If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. This is a crowd podcast. There's something they say about Billie Holiday when she's dying. Handcuffed to a hospital bed by the cops, crying out for whiskey, crying out for heroin. Fifteen fifty-dollar bills tied to her leg. All she's got left from those hit records, those concerts, the TV shows. They write, she had been strikingly beautiful, but she was wasted physically to a small, grotesque caricature of herself. The worms of every kind of excess had eaten her. The greatest singer of her generation, a voice like no one else, a sound they'll try and copy for years to come. A girl who starts with nothing, who runs with pimps and hookers, but grows up to diamonds and furs and adulation. A woman who loves bad men, who's beaten up and beats up back. A woman who loves other women when the blinds are drawn and the doors locked. Playing a game where the odds are stacked against you when you're young and black. When you stay in hotels and can't use the same entrance as the white guests. When you stop for gas and can't use the restrooms. When you sit in a restaurant and no one will serve you food. There's men who look after her, a few of them. And there's men who rip her off, attack her, take her money and run. Harry Jacob Anslinger, in your dedicated effort There's a police chief out to get her, out to get any black musician. A racist making his name by ruining others, who says things like, Rifa makes darkies think they're as good as white men. She's not a rock singer, Billy. She's in the world before, where jazz meets blues meets messed up and lonely. Where a friend watches her sing and says, I saw all of the world in that face, all the beauty and all the misery. She's not a rock singer, but she's a rock star before they know what that is. She's broke, rich, broke again, sleeping around, pushing the boundaries, getting high, getting low. You want to know how to sing? You listen to Billy. The phrasing, the feeling, the happiness, and the sadness. It's all about improvisation with Billy. You know the rules and you break them. You see where everyone else goes, so you take it somewhere else. You take what you're given and you try and turn it into something else. Into something beautiful. Into something unforgettable. This is Death of a Rockstar, Billie Holiday.
She's not Billie Holiday at the start. She's Eleanor Fagan. And she's got nothing. Her mother's 19, not married. Her father's a jazz musician, long gone on the road. She's raised by relatives, by the people she finds on the streets. No money, no food, cutting school young. Things happen to you when you're a kid with no one around. You learn words you shouldn't know, seven years old, and her two favorite words are cocksucker and motherfucker. 11 years old, and your neighbor waits till everyone's out and sexually assaults you. 12, and you're scrubbing floors for money. 13, and you're making more at a brothel. An older man to pimp you out, to beat you and keep you in line. She wasn't a slut, that's what her cousin says. She just lived fast. You had to survive. But there's one thing she has got. There's a woman on the corner who owns a record player. Plays Bessie Smith, the Empress of the Blues. Louis Armstrong. Eleonora sits there and listens. Copies, borrows, improvises. She listens and she sings. Makes her voice sound like an instrument. Like Armstrong's trumpet. And when she goes to New York, aged 14, she sings and they listen. At the little backstreet clubs in Harlem, the places with no name, a stage, a bar, a few seats, the places you go to dance, like the Hot Char Club, to see things you can't see on Broadway. She's nervous on stage to start with, stand still. Green spotlight on her face, big white flower in her black hair. Can't look at anyone. So she changes her name, takes the Billy from an actress she likes, the holiday from her old man's stage name, and she sings jazz. But the blues and the spaces in between, taking old songs, making them new, taking the old rules and messing around. A band leader says something about her voice, says she wails huskily from some Neverland. So people come to watch. Jam sessions, white people in limos, lines outside the cotton club, then the after dark places. She smokes grass, nothing stronger, not yet. But if Harlem is music and drink, it's sex too. You want men? She's young and carefree. Sometimes she chooses men for a reason. They play for her, protect her, let her sing. Other times, it's pure kicks. There's piano players, horn players, hangers-on. You want girls? No one's going to say anything, not in this world. You know the rules, and you break them. And all of it in that voice, 
all the dramas and lovers and pain and joy all coming out every time she sings. She's spotted by a producer called John Hammond, the same guy who'll discover Aretha Franklin and Bob Dylan. He gets her in a studio, out on record. She gets asked to play with the Count Basie Orchestra, the greatest jazz band in town. This is all beautiful, right? This is all perfect. So here's what you need to know. Billy's got pale skin. She straightens her long black hair, ties it back. When she plays black clubs, she sometimes uses makeup to darken her face, to fit in. When she plays white clubs, she's the only black woman there. Always the outsider, always in the spotlight. She's got a new nickname now, Lady Day, given to her by the sax player, Lester Young. She calls him President, so now there's Count, Lady and Prez. But it's not glamorous out on the road. When she's with Basie, it's one night in one town, then back on the bus to the next. You sleep in your seat, eat where you can. When she moves to the Artie Shaw band and its white band leader and black singer, she's out on her own. You play down south where it's all segregated and it's the band in a hotel, you sleeping on the bus. It's them coming in the front door, you through the kitchen. When she orders food, she asks for an extra hamburger, wraps it up, puts it in her purse. Who knows where they're gonna serve her next. You come back to New York, it can feel like nothing's changed. The record companies are owned by white men. The music critics are all white men. When she gets to the Lincoln Hotel, they ask her to use the service elevator, not the one for guests. Okay, now we get to the cop or rather the head of the Federal Bureau of Narcotics. This is Harry Anslinger, boss of the narcos. Paranoid, obsessive, racist. Anslinger says jazz sounds like the jungle at night. He says the musicians reek of filth. He wants to bring it all crashing down. Black music, black superstars. Billy. His leverage? Reefer. Weed. Marijuana. The burning weed with its roots in hell. He calls it a deadly, dreadful poison. He says it racks and tears. Not only the body, but the very heart and soul of every human being who once became a slave to it. Innocent of a new and deadly menace lurking behind closed doors. He says hashish makes a murderer who kills for the love of killing out of the mildest mannered man. Now he just needs a target, a big name he can destroy. And he's found his excuse to do it. Right, we need to have a quick ad break, but we'll be back in a minute to tell you all about the song that comes next, Strange Fruit. Hello, Rockstar listeners. It is Tom here. Now, I'm one of the writers on the show and was behind quite a few of the episodes, ones like George Michael, John Lennon, Donny Hathaway and Otis Redding. 
I wanted to tell you quickly about DistroKid, who we've partnered with to provide rockstar listeners with a special deal that we think you will love. Are you a musician and wondering how you can get more bang for your buck with your music? Well, get yourself on DistroKid. That's D-I-S-T-R-O-K-I-D. DistroKid is revolutionising the music business. It's the easiest way for musicians to get music onto places like Spotify, Apple, Amazon, TikTok, YouTube. Well, you name it, they can get it there. You get unlimited uploads. You'll enjoy more features than any other music distributor and you'll get to keep 100% of your earnings. Here are just some of the things that it lets you do. Okay, easily pay your collaborators with a special feature called splits. Send huge files to anyone with their InstaShare feature. Make mini videos to use on your socials. And stop sneaky thieves stealing your music and using it without your permission with their DistroLock feature. There's also an app where you can see your DistroKid account in one place. Check your Apple and Spotify stats and withdraw earnings. The DistroKid app is available now on iOS and Android. So head to the Apple Store or Google Play to download it. And here is the best bit. They're offering you guys a special deal. Just go to distrokid.com slash VIP slash death of a rockstar to get 30% off your first year. That's distrokid.com slash VIP slash death of a rockstar for 30% off your first year. Hey everyone, this is Tuck from Fit for a King in Off-Road Minivan. Every week I bring you fun interviews alongside your favorite metalcore entertainers with my new podcast, Get Tucked. Join me every Monday with bands like Counterparts, Crystal Lake, like Mods to Flames, and many more. We play unsigned and undiscovered bands, deep dive into each artist's history, and of course provide the greatest breakdowns in current metalcore. Tune in to Get Tucked every Monday, out now through Sound Talent Media. Welcome back to Death of a Rockstar. This is the story of Billie Holiday. For a song that lasts 80 years, Strange Fruit starts as nothing much at all. A poem written by a white Jewish teacher from the Bronx. One he sets to music doesn't do much with for a while. Other singers perform it. No one says much. Then it gets to Billie when she's singing in the Cafe Society, a mixed club in Greenwich Village. She reads the words. Southern trees bear a strange fruit, blood on the leaves and blood at the root. You see a lynching down in the south and you never forget it. Black men strung up on trees by white men So the first time she performs this song, she's terrified, thinks people will hate it. She asks the waiters to stop the audience talking, to stop eating and drinking. They dim the lights, just one spotlight on her face, hair pulled back, white flower behind her ear. And she sings, black body swinging in a southern breeze. Strange fruits hanging from the poplar trees. 
When she sings the final note, they cut the lights. Darkness. When they come back on, there's silence. No applause. No Billy, cause she's left the stage. Just one punter starting to clap, looking around and stopping. No one's sung like this before, not in big venues, not in front of white people. When she sings it again, some people walk out. Others boo. They shout. We come to be entertained. You call this entertainment? But every time she sings it, it's unforgettable. Every time she sings it, she makes people feel something. Anger, pride, shame, resolve. Maybe it's the first real protest song. The first one you can't ignore. And Harry Anslinger, the racist boss of the Fed's narco division, he hates it, what it means, what it does, the way the spotlight falls on Billy and always comes back. Because it changes things, this song. For the civil rights movement, for the polite classes who'd rather pretend racism's someone else's problem, for the people who want nothing to change. Billy opens at Cafe Society a singer. She leaves it a star. There's prestige. There's publicity. There just isn't much money. Some of the stuff she earns goes on gambling when she's on the road. A pal goes on a restaurant for her mother called Mum Holidays. Some goes on cocaine. And some goes on the harder stuff. There's always been heroin around jazz. Powder to snort, to smoke, to mix up with water and inject. Heroin? It makes you forget. Takes you away from the past. Pushes away the things you want to forget. Billy? She likes extremes. When she's in the mood, she might see three men in the same night. She has a long affair with Tallulah Bankhead, a white actress. Bankhead's wild, describes herself as ambisextrous, has affairs with men, has affairs with Greta Garbo and Marlene Dietrich, does so many different kinds of pills, her housekeeper sometimes tapes her arms to her side so she can't take any more. Bankhead loves it all, describes herself as pure as the driven slush. And Billy's the same. She sings from the crotch. That's what someone in her band says. Billy, she says, we try to live a hundred days in one day. And she loves getting high. No shame about it, no guilt. Scotch in the morning, cocaine at night, heroin in the wee small hours, whenever it's there. Anslinger, he has his informants, his phone taps and snitches. He thinks Billy flaunts it. He talks about her fancy coats and fancy automobiles and her jewellery and her gowns. Says she's the big lady wherever she goes. He gets an agent to follow her around, a black guy. Someone who can carry dope, who can sell it on the street if it helps get the big bust. Billy doesn't sell dope. She doesn't deal or make money. 
She's a user, an addict. When she finds out they're watching her, she responds like an addict responds. She gets someone to take her dog for a walk, hides dope under the dog's collar, sends the dog up to her hotel room via the elevator, slips the operator a couple of dollars to bring him to her room. Anslinger responds, gets her Cadillac all shot up by his men, bullet holes in the doors, the message clear, there's one of these for you one day. They bust her the first time when she's in New York, in her apartment. They either find drugs or plant them, depends which side of the story you're on. The court case spells it out. The United States of America versus Billie Holiday. In the dock, going cold turkey, she's sick, can't hold food down, can't drink enough. She pleads guilty and gets sent down for a year and a day. Alderson Federal Prison Camp in West Virginia, a segregated jail. All the time she's in there, she never sings a note. When she comes out, she can't play the clubs and bars anymore, not after the drug conviction. So she plays Carnegie Hall and sings Strange Fruit and makes money and never sees much of it. She's got a new manager. Here's three ways her friends describe him. Parasite, hustler, bastard. One night, she asks him for $50. He punches her in the face, in the stomach. She hits him with a bottle. All of the world in that face. All the beauty and all the misery. You can have the fancy coats and fancy automobiles. You can have the scotch and the smack. Billy, she just wants a guy telling her he loves her. That's what her friends say. She's arrested a second time in San Francisco, less than a year on from leaving prison. Harry Ansling is on a roll. He's got government money behind him, more agents, more publicity. Billy, she's still going to extremes, marrying, divorcing, sleeping with her dealer, doing what she wants. The voice is still there. When she sings Strange Fruit, every room stops. But it's like it takes something out of her every time. Like she loses a tiny piece of herself in every performance. When you can sing like she does, you can't miss the cracks when they show. What drink does to your phrasing, what dope does to your lungs, it's rougher now. The sweetness gone, the clarity. She looks older, lines around her eyes, round her mouth. A flower still in her hair, the makeup a little thicker. She travels to Europe, to Paris, sings at the Albert Hall in London, plays the Carnegie in New York a second time, tops the bill, does encores and leaves to wild applause. But the past never leaves her and the present never goes away. There's a new husband now, a mob guy called Louis McKay. When she walks out the Carnegie, the two of them fight. 
He knocks her across the street, kicks her, then takes her back to the hotel for sex. There's days when he locks her in, when he tells her not to eat. Money? It's the 50s now. Her old records are out of print. The royalties have gone. One year, she gets $11. That's it. When she gets back in the studio, you can hear it and you can see it. How thin she is. How damaged the voice is. How she's too weak to stand. How she sits there with a glass of vodka and tries to remember how she used to do it all. They've diagnosed her with cirrhosis. Her liver's packing in. Her heart's bad. Her addiction's scratching and itching. She's 44 years old. They take her to the Metropolitan Hospital in East Harlem to recover, to fight back. And this is where Harry Anslinger plays his end game. His agents bust her in her hospital bed, say they find a little tinfoil wrap of heroin hidden on a nail on the wall, handcuff her to her bed, fingerprint her, take her mugshot. There's two cops at the door, no friends allowed in, no gifts, no record player, no chocolates or flowers. Even Harry Anslinger knows you can't arrest someone on the critical list. So what does he do? He takes her off the list. She's going cold turkey again, Billy. She's taken off the methadone that had been helping. There's protesters outside, a preacher offering to save her, homemade signs that say, let lady live. It's too late, all of it. When Billie Holiday dies, there's the official wording. Pulmonary edema and heart failure caused by cirrhosis of the liver. Then there's what a friend says when he's allowed in. She looks as if she had been torn from life violently. What does she leave behind? No money. The last husband's taken that. There's 70 cents in her bank account when they look. There's 15 $50 bills strapped to her leg when they pull back the sheets. That's it. Anslinger goes on, continues his war on drugs, on worlds he doesn't understand and never wants to know. He works under six different presidents. He gets reappointed by JFK. And as he fades into old age, in the 60s, he has a mental breakdown. Becomes even more paranoid. Says addiction is contagious. Talks about secret plots. He's addicted himself, too, at the end. Takes morphine every day. The same high as Billy. The same easy sin. And Billy goes on too in other singers, in her biggest songs. Frank Sinatra knows it, calls her his biggest influence, says she's the most important influence on all American singers. You can hear her in soul, in R&B, in Erica Badu, and Strange Fruit. Everyone covers it. Diana Ross, Tori Amos, UB40 do a version when they're young and angry. Susie and the Banshees, Jeff Buckley, 
Bruce Springsteen describes it as one of the greatest protest songs, calls it an epic piece of music far ahead of its time. And when the Black Lives Matter movement begins, it's Billy's version that's there again, streamed more than 2 million times in 6 months in 2020. All from a girl who starts with nothing, who runs with pimps and hookers, who grows up to diamonds and furs and adulation. A woman who loves bad men, a woman who loves women when the blinds are drawn. Playing a game where the odds are stacked against you. Taking what you're given and trying to turn it into something beautiful. Into something unforgettable. This episode of Death of a Rockstar was written by Tom Fordyce and performed by me, Elroy Spoonface Powell, Spoon the Voice Guy. It was edited by Phil Brown. For research, we read Billy's autobiography, Lady Sings the Blues, With Billy by Julia Blackburn, and Chasing the Scream by Johan Harry. We used the archives of Rolling Stone, The New York Times, and The Times. The music we use is from our partners, BMG Production Music. But if you want to hear some Billy, start with Gloomy Sunday, then move on to God Bless the Child, and finish the only way you could with Strange Fruit. If you'd like another podcast to listen to, try our other episode about Whitney Houston. Thanks for listening. Crowd Network, a place where you belong. Hey there, I am Johnny Christ from Avenged Sevenfold, and I've got a podcast called Drinks with Johnny you're going to want to check out. I sit down with a bunch of different people from all different walks of life, from professional wrestlers to actors, comedians, fighters, musicians, everything in between. I'm just looking to make some friends and have a good time doing it. So if that sounds like something you're into, go check out Drinks with Johnny, streaming everywhere now. One Hit Thunder is a podcast where we both celebrate and have a good laugh about bands and artists that had just one hit that we all know. Each week, we're joined by a guest from the world of music or comedy to learn more than you ever thought you would about some songs that you can't forget. And we decide if they brought the One Hit Thunder or were nothing more than a one hit blunder. Look, if you listen to the show, you're probably going to laugh and I guarantee you're going to crush next time the bar has music trivia. Tag Team, Jane Child, Meredith Brooks, Looking Glass, Sean Mullins, Eiffel 65, EMF, Crash Test Dummies, Crazy Town, Chumbawamba. We have hundreds of episodes in our back catalog and a new episode each week. So pass the duchy, make sure you're connected, and subscribe to One Hit Thunder wherever you get your pods. What's up, everybody? I am Finn McKenty, host of the Punk Rock NBA podcast, part of the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. My podcast is all about doing what you love for a living, and every week I sit down and talk to people who have done exactly that. For example, musicians like Tommy from Between the Buried Me, Matt from Periphery, Lil Lotus and Shinigami, among many others, photographers, artists, designers, YouTubers like Glenn Fricker and Sarah Dietschy, and I unpack exactly how they got to where they are today with the goal of helping you do the same. So if that sounds cool, you can listen and subscribe at SoundTalentMedia.com, and I'll see you there.